0: You are listening to oh this podcast on the live nine podcast network this show may contain colorful language and topics if you are sensitive to this please be advised now on to the show Welcome to another edition of Oh This
1: Podcast, Steve. How are you doing on this lovely evening? This wonderful Chicago evening. I'm doing fantastical. It's muy bien. Es, es muy bien. too sí. tú? you too sí. también? ¿Y tú? ¿Cómo está. Oh, well, we're in a loop. <laughs> Bienvenido
0: a Miami. Welcome to another edition of Oh This Podcast. If you haven't done so, we are www.ohthispodcast.com, hashtag Oh This Podcast. And we are here bringing you our 30th episode the censors can't hold us down. <laughs> you know, it's not Steph Curry as much people would think it would be. It's not Tim Raines as much people would be. Hall Epis- of Famer, Tim oh, Raines. Yes, we're going with another Hall of Famer. We're going with 100%. Eddie the Eagle, Eddie Belfour, the greatest Blackhawks goalie of my generation. Uh, we can, <laughs> there, there might be some that debate there, you on that, could, that, but that, I'll, that, I'll that, allow it. Th- that could be hotly debated, but Steve, <laughs> thank you for joining us, episode thirty. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, got uh, got my first experience of a uh, medical emergency on an airplane today, which was interesting, but uh, not for my myself personally. I did not have the medical emergency, but
0: someone on my plane did. I was going to say running out of Tito's vodka, yeah. is not a medical emergency, <laughs> sir. You get that
1: you get the that like frantic call from the uh you know as you picture it in the movies or whatever. It's like is the there a doctor airplane? in the house? Yeah, I mean, it's like oh boy. It's like what was going on? Fortunately, it looked like everything wound up uh, okay for the gentleman who was afflicted by something or other, but uh, he he walked off under under his own power and there was only like 20 minutes left in the flight before Okay. Uh, Uh, they made that call. So it wasn't like we were far away. Nice, nice. And it's not like a doctor. No, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express (laughs) last night. No, (laughs) no. no. I I don't know if anyone answered the call to uh, the call of duty, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it looked like it wound up all right. Awesome. Yeah, very strange. It's like, oh, this is happening in real life. These aren't the friendly skies today. (laughs) So
0: Steve, tell everybody the data.
1: Oh man, there's so much data. We've just been mining so much of it, and and holding all of our data, Patrick. There's so much Hord, hordes, hordesing of all the data. No, was, um, hordes devour, <laughs> hordes devours of data. Um, yes, you can catch us in our fine podcast at ohthispodcast.com. dot com. See, we are there. Uh, You can also uh, get us on iTunes, uh, also Google Play, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. You can uh, hit us up there. Uh, We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter uh patrick likes to uh occasionally tweet things i like to occasionally tweet things myself as well so uh we can be found there uh, you can support the show at patreon.com and you can also uh, check us out on the website as well uh, with the patreon support button we also have some blogs and other good stuff on there so kind of bringing it full circle we've got just about all of our internet bases covered yeah if you like us just join our happy little happy
0: little clouds and our happy little bob ross uh <laughs> circle <of> environments there <laughs> So, you know,
1: if we if we did get Patreon big enough, I think we would do painting with Patrick. Painting with Patrick, and and Patrick would paint happy little clouds. Happy little clouds, (laughs) and I would do
0: my best to paint like Tyrannosaurus rexes for people. I will do that. Like. We'll put that on the website here. Yep. Oh. We're gonna
1: we're gonna make that happen. So yeah. doing uh, push ups of course. <laughs> but yes, Patrick. Uh so let's uh, shall we uh, discuss the uh, beverage we're we're imbibing this uh, evening? Yes we shall. Yes. Um th- so we've got uh being back in Chicago, I decided to uh swoop up another fine product from Half Acre Brewing Company in Chicago. Uh, and this is their uh Vallejo pale ale India pale ale. Um comes in sixteen ounce cans. Uh it's got some interesting artwork on there. Uh Looks like a little ocean action and a little uh you know a landscape of sorts Dude, so they got some
0: happy little clouds and happy little trees there, there are
1: some yes very it is very happy um so this is just a, a really solid uh i p a uh it is uh clocks in at six point seven percent alcohol which is uh fairly reasonable for most uh i p a drinkers or drinkers of any any regard that haven't uh, been stashed solely on uh macro brew or anything like that um it's uh it's actually really balanced i was kind of surprised with it um you know i figured it was going to be a little bit uh on the uh, like bitter side but it's really uh really nicely balanced uh, you get a lot of uh tropical fruit uh, mango and guava uh tangerine maybe even a little bit like melon uh type flavors from some of the hops um, but it, and it, but it's balanced out. It's not overly bitter. Uh, it pours gold, almost like an orange hazy type color. Uh, when you have it in a fine uh, glass, a pint, or perhaps a tulip, or or your glass of preferred uh the preferred vessel blue (laughs) plastic red or blue uh your your preferred drinking vessel but uh yeah it's actually really crisp uh crisply carbonated but not overly carbonated so it's not like biting at you and uh yeah i mean it's a really well-rounded well done uh ipa i was uh really really enjoying this one as as i have cracked One open, and I'm already two-thirds of the way through it. Interesting, interesting. (laughs) So it's Half
0: Acre. Obviously, Half Acre is known for their 16-ounce cans and their flagship of Daisy Cutter. Mm -hmm. Where would you – we've done Daisy Cutter on the podcast before. Where would you rate this in terms of, like – taste palette compare it to daisy cutter if people have tried daisy cutter already, um, or they're gonna go try daisy cutter yeah it's, that's, that's readily available in the city and elsewhere
1: it certainly is um this i actually i mean this is again personal preference being key here i like this a little bit more than i like daisy cutter um, this is uh, really really refreshing. I don't know if it's just because it's at that perfect temperature and and, and striking the mood appropriately, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm enjoying this one a lot. So I would rank it. Uh, I mean, that's not a that's not a dig at Daisy Cutter, er, er, Daisy Cutter. That's a fantastic beer as well. This one I just like uh, a little bit uh, a little bit more right now. Okay. It's uh ninety eight on Rate Beer, ninety two on Beer Advocate, so you're not uh it's it's no slouch. It's solid.
0: You could probably get it up at their tap room too. Yeah,
1: I'm sure they've got it uh wherever Half Acre products can be found.
0: Tell us a little bit about Half Acre. Do you know a little bit about Half Acre? Uh
1: not a not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Um, uh, you know, they're kind of uh one of the early Up in Lincoln Square. Yeah, early one of the early Chicago breweries. Uh one I didn't really get into until a little bit later. Um no, I don't know if there's any particular reason. Just kind of like, kind of overlooked them. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're a Chicago institution as far as microbreweries are concerned. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, I mean they their cans. I like I do appreciate the fact that they put uh, their beer in cans because that makes it easy for uh, consumption in many venues and or many situations.
0: I like it. I like it one
1: hundred percent. And I can be very emphatic with my motions, and I'm not going to spill.
0: Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you for joining us. This is gonna be awesome. Vallejo, India Pale Ale, one pint half acre brewing company Chicago, Illinois. Without further ado, let's hop in. Oh yeah. To a segment one. Oh, numero uno. No, numero uno. So
1: Well, yes, Patrick. Uh as uh I don't know, I, I shouldn't assume that anyone is uh uh paying super close attention to the musical world, but uh in our in our genre our a uh uh, musical universe, so to speak. Uh, there was a nice album release here this past Friday. Big album release. Um, one that had been uh, not not a total surprise, but it, it's always it always catches you a little off guard. I was really um,
0: surprised by it. I thought... Timing-wise, I was surprised by
1: it. I guess maybe maybe but I, I don't know maybe I'd spoiled it because I'd seen like some videos on YouTube of like songs being demoed and played uh at different live shows and stuff. So we were talking about uh the Foo Fighters new release uh this uh this past week which is uh entitled Concrete and Gold. Uh and it is a uh a kind of a departure from some of the stuff that they've done in the past, whether that's welcome in in your minds or whether that's a, uh, you know, kind of a, a negative, uh, that's, you know, for people to decide on their own, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, kind of they decided that they were going to take a, a little bit of a break after, uh, Dave Grohl broke his leg. And, uh, they, they played a bunch of shows obviously when he did his whole throne thing. Uh, but he took a lot of time off to recover cause he was having serious trouble walking and, uh, Um, It was a really long rehab process for him. And obviously with years of touring, they burned out a little bit. Uh, But as is typical Foo Fighters fashion, they take like a six month break and then then he starts writing songs again and they wind up with an album shortly
0: thereafter. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I know that that right after he broke his leg, we saw him in that throne Mm -hmm. at the Wrigley Field Show back in. God, is it 2015 now? Yeah. Now I'm thinking almost, yeah. almost two years ago. Because it was right ago, right, uh, right before. Summer,
1: yeah. yeah, right before I
0: moved to California. Yeah, two years ago. And it was like that show, I, I thought you really couldn't top that. And that show, was that before or after Sonic Highways came out? That was after Sonic Highways came so out. So it yeah. just had come out because, yes, because like they were Cheap touring Trick, and, yeah. Yeah, Cheap Trick and then Naked Ray Gun and I can't remember who else. Urge oh, Overkill. Urge Overkill, All yeah. playing, yeah. And so it was interesting because. You know that show. I, I I'm I'm thinking they I, they can't top this. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way. First off, I saw the Foo Fighters live for the first time in 2008, coming off their Wembley yeah. stuff <laughs> out in Seattle, playing in an arena. I'm like, they can't top this. So then, for them to come and play Wrigley Field and play one of the best shows, I was like, okay, wow, this band is going places
1: and the maturation this, this of this Dave Grohl guy's got a future. He might know how to play some <laughs> music
0: or at least know how to take and do the rock and the rolls uh accordingly. And I I just didn't think of it and the Sonic Highways album was great. I was a huge fan of the Wasting Light album before so I was like sure. How are they going to top that? Sonic Highways the the concept. You could see that there was some sort of concepts going into this like they not necessarily got burned out on the way to record mm-hmm. but they needed to have something to keep it interesting after 20 years of on the road right. and doing this because, I mean, Dave started in 95 shortly after uh, during the grieving process from his late friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was interesting. And so this album that came out, the singles that came out and when they first came out, when it was run and this Sky's a neighborhood. And I think what was the last the one? line, the line when they came out as singles? I'm like, run. nope, I'm not. It's not doing it for me. And then the skies in the Neighborhood, the video came out, and I watched it. I was like, okay, this sounds like a bona fide single, like a rock record right. album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then The line came out. I'm like, man, is this album going to just flop and be the worst thing I've ever heard? And then it came out, and you're like, just listen to it. And I put it on track one, and we're going through T-shirt, and it's like a minute 25, and it's just like this soft, really, like, mm-hmm. entry. And I had earbuds in, and I was taking a walk, and immediately had to take them out at the, at the the as the just – yeah, they wow. kick in. I'm like, oh, yeah, my God. I Just a experience. wall of guitar. Yeah. Like, and way,
1: like, super high up in the mix. Like, just, like, volume, yeah. a lot louder than it needed to be because <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I was normally thinking
0: it was EQ'd out perfectly. So I turn it down a little bit, and then I start to listen to it. And I can say it came out on Friday. I've listened to album cover to cover, well, digital cover to digital sure. <laughs> cover um, probably 15 times. Okay. Uh, so I'm starting to get a good feeling of what I like to it. Yeah. It is a concept album. It is. It totally is. It very,
1: I mean, they might not say it is, but it is. Yeah.
0: And from my perspective here, and this is going to go out on a limb, but, and, and people, you can yell at me, you can say whatever you want, but this is, from my perspective, this is the Foo Fighters Abbey Road. This mm-hmm. is their and I'm not saying that they're not going to make anything else after this, but this is their album that will be conceptual. It will define what they do from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll see them tour a lot more still, because the guys are still young. Sure, young um, enough. Yeah. Young enough to do it. But this is like, you can see it plays one song into another song into another song into another song. So,
1: like, Yeah, it's a true like album-oriented rock like record, which is nice because... I think it's refreshing It it is refreshing because like that was the first thing I thought it's like I was kind of similar like I really liked the singles I actually liked Ron and I and I liked the Sky's Neighborhood I wasn't big on the line uh, at first but then I wound up was like all right you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna listen at front I'm gonna rather than you know skipping I've already heard all the singles it's like let me listen to the album and I try to do, listen to albums front to back and it usually doesn't have a reward anymore because so much stuff is singles it's oriented singles based, yeah. but this album is one of uh you know it's i guess a rarity nowadays in that you can listen to this thing from top to bottom and the songs flow between one another and make a lot of sense yeah, as a piece of music rather than just a bunch of uh, collected songs that they put on one piece of media yeah
0: i i think i would have to put this up in right ranking the albums this has got to go in the top three for me it's okay. t- like it's in the top three, but there's like, it's hard to dethrone some of the, like collectively over the albums. I think that, um, God, the color and shape is still probably my favorite of all time. Yeah. That is very hard of their album to take and dethrone. And it's just like, it shows like a maturation from the first Foo Fighters album, where it was just Dave playing all by himself to Yes, Dave does a lot of it, but there is so much more melodic structure. The songwriting's gotten better. Mm-hmm. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, I think with regards to like I, I don't necessarily know if it's my favorite album that they've done, but it's their most ambitious album that they've done. And, and respect that because and, it's ambitious. Yeah, I do. And I think it's their most uh musically proficient album that they've done. Uh as far as the songwriting, the actual uh like the the vocals on this like how they've layered the vocals and like obviously they had a lot of guests come in like if you read the story about you know they got Justin Timberlake on a track they've got uh one of the guys from Boys to Men on a track right. like Lady they, Gaga's on a track. And, and yeah and they have these crazy um like it's almost like the walls of guitars like it's what it sounds like, like production wise you just hear like the guitars are just really really massive on the record and I think that they yeah it's just like the musicianship is at its at its peak i think with as far as what they've produced so far obviously they can yeah. still go bigger or better um you know down the road uh but uh so far i think this is their is, is where it's at now i think like if i was going to say it's it's not my favorite album but uh it's it's definitely not that's not a knock cuz i think i really haven't ever hated a foo fighters album um I wouldn't I'd say I mean I really I think the color and the shape is is still obviously his best work thus far as far as producing like hit like anthemic anthemic rock songs like absolutely, that's it absolutely. and then i think wasting light is a tremendous album too just and, it's, and another cool thing that they've done uh when they did that one all analog which is a cool process uh and i also think that one's got a ton of great singles on it uh but yeah it's it's certainly up there um it's it's a really ambitious piece of work that they've that they've put together here and uh it shows that like you can they like they've earned enough obviously financially and within the music world that they can go and take risks with like their past i mean if you look at sonic highways like sonic highways is not i i would rank that towards the bottom of my foo fighters albums it's not a bad album it was ambitious it was ambitious uh but i don't really like what the results are it's like it, it was cool as a project but not as necessarily like as a record like it's a it's a soundtrack more than it is and they they discuss this yeah like they say it's a soundtrack uh, basically, it say it's the soundtrack uh, of America. As right? They try to discover the. Um, so there, process. there is yeah. no continuity. There is like everything is just a is a single song dedicated to a city. Cool idea. Uh, just didn't like some of the songs that came out for some of the cities. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's uh, fair. But it is. Uh, it's cool that they have enough uh wherewithal too to say, you know what, we're gonna go ahead and we're just gonna do this the way we want to. They don't necessarily have pressure from a record company or anything like that. Um where they have to Oh, we need a new hit single. You know, A and R guy says we need a new i I don't hear a single. Um, Sport, give me a new single on there. Uh so like that that's uh really cool. Uh I mean they're one of the last I mean if you really if you really boil it down, they're one of the last like rock and roll acts, like straight up rock and roll acts that are really out there. I mean there's a lot of alternative acts there's a lot of like bluesy you know kind of grunge you know the, like the you know you have your black keys and your white stripes stuff but like well, if mean, you're looking like straight up like rock and roll like if you like if you cut them from the, like from the grunge era forward they're one of the really the last ones that's still out there doing anything. I mean Pearl Jam's around uh they're and that's not a knock on Pearl Jam they're fantastic I love Pearl Jam but uh they're not necessarily putting out uh, anything prolific or anything at this point. They're doing a lot, mostly touring kind of stuff. They got a lot of content already. They They certainly do. They certainly do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are plenty of other – there's obviously plenty of other bands, but Foo Fighters being one of the last, like, big giants of it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me because this is a non-Butch Vig album. Mm-hmm. This is uh, a Greg Kirsten He's album. He's been doing I, – and
1: I don't know – like, yeah, it's, so it's – I don't know – I know – Dave Grohl obviously made a conscious choice to, you know, to go with the production that they went with. But, uh, I mean, Butch Vig's been doing a lot of stuff with Garbage lately. So The um, band Garbage. Yes, his yes. Band. So I'm I am So, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't available sure. or they just decided they wanted to do something different. I mean, they tell the story of, like, how it came to pass. Right. That, um, that they had Greg do the album. Yeah, but, in, comedic, in comedic form. Right.
0: But, like, it, it makes sense now that if you listen to The Bird and the Bee, um, I there's a – they did a cover, and I sent this to you. Yeah. Uh, early in this week and it's like when i saw that first video i'm like what is he talking about the bird and the bee what that reminds me of the there's a album that they did where it's all covers of hollow notes yep. tunes and it is good it is very good and it's like you listen to the bird and the bees co- cover of all these hollow notes you know basically 70s and 80s jams in terms of Great tunes, but they're all disco y. Yeah. They're all like progressive rock. And it's like, okay, if you're taking these standards and you're able to take in, take these, these out, al- these songs that everybody knows and then take it, and have a new twist on it there, then I took and had that mindset listening to it more and more. And th- that's what made me love this album. And I'm not like endorsing all of it. I don't love it all, but I love sure. about 85% of it, which, you know, and I extremely love a majority of that too. Yeah, like there's songs that I don't like. The dirty water, I was like,
1: yeah, eh. and that was one of the ones I didn't like either. Um, and and that's really jazzy. Like, um, the the sound on that is is very mellow. And it has so, all almo- like so it's got the little j- like little jazz vibes in it, and then like it sounds almost like a song or a riff that like Dave might have written in nineteen ninety two or ninety three or ninety four when he was like starting you know putting material together. Like it's got the it's got almost like a little bit of a big me vibe, like just like the the little like slow, like melodic intros that he does and things. But yeah, it it just never really takes off. Right. But I could definitely in this album pick out old
0: riffs, like similar old riffs that they've used. Um and then I also picked out some uh some styles of like they definitely stole or didn't steal, but they paid homage to sure, one. Exactly. I think it's Sunday yeah. Rain sounds a whole hell of a lot like a Steve Miller. See, song. and now
1: I think that sounds like a wing song. Like it sounds like a Paul McCartney type at the beginning, yeah, but the granted Paul McCartney's playing drums on it too, so <laughs>
0: Right. But if you listen to the the flange uh, and the chorus sure. in that thing, it sounds like uh uh Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah. It now, sounds a lot like that that enthemic thing. And then to me i i saw it when i heard it uh where it was uh what is it uh la da and that sounds like it shares a very similar riff to kings leon crawl and i don't know if that's intentional or if that was me putting my music things together i know we just no, it's similar it is it's similar but it's like that doesn't mean you're stealing well it's but.
1: just like in on sonic highways and something for nothing like they everyone says oh it's like oh you just took uh you know that ronnie james dio riff out. you know it's like no that's not it you know like it it's similar but it's not you know i don't want to get into the whole vanilla ice no 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 it's not, it's not da, the same da, 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 but, but, <laughs> but it's not a, da, 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 uh, da. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit uh there, you know there's only so many notes and only so many chords you can play uh and there's going to be similarities at times and you just have to recognize like it all works into a different musical context. Like there's there's going to be changes and things that are different, you know that that discern themselves from those songs. And Sunday Rain, you mentioned like that was a song that I was really really looking forward to the album on the album because I heard it live. I was lucky enough to see them play at the Metro a few weeks ago, and that was killer because there was like eight hundred people there, and I was like five rows back. Um, but uh, just bragging a little no, bit. No, yeah, that was the like the. I so you saw you talked about the Wrigley Field show being like one that you could never top. Like I thought that was gonna be the same, and then I got to be, like. Ten feet away from them, it was pretty killer. Yeah, but you couldn't hear for four days. I which could is not. Probably it worth it. It <laughs> was like, absolutely worth it. And they played for three and a half goddamn hours. It was a bar show. It, <laughs> it was one hundred percent a bar they show. They said they're like Dave Grohl came out and was like, "Oh, we're gonna play until they Like they shut us on They told us we can play until like f- I think he said they they could play until like four thirty. And at like two, I was like, "This motherfucker had better not play until four or four thirty because I am dying right now." Because they, they, they go must, on until like eleven. Yeah, God, that's <laughs> awesome. So. Let's take in, but uh, uh, I I didn't even make my point about Sunday rain. Well, make your point then. Damn it, I'm going to. Um, So they were like that. I was really looking forward to it on the album, and it was a little disappointing. And that's a song where Taylor Hawkins sings, and that's not the disappointing part. I just they played it live, and it has it's a much bigger sound live than what it is on the record. Like there are a lot of like slower mellow parts in that song that are on the record that like are like have these huge like booming like droning guitar parts live that sound way better I think I mean I you know I I'm not saying it's bad I just like it better when they played it live so you got your docket right
0: now you're looking at it you're looking at two Foo Fighters shows in the next few months I know that you've got them on your calendar I've got two more yeah okay so you're you've seen them and you're gonna see them in three distinct um, distinct venues in the pat in the next, you know,
1: yeah. what you've seen,
0: and then yeah, it's funny the how it, it's so, funny how it worked out.
1: Like, yeah. I mean, the the metro show was just a spur of the moment thing that they put up on, and, and we just got lucky and got tickets for it. Yeah, like, you got lucky. There is no rhyme or reason to it. So the venue holds eleven hundred yeah. tops, and there was not eleven hundred. There was like maybe eight hundred top. Uh, okay, yeah.
0: So you saw them there. You're gonna go see them at a festival in front of what, probably seventy five
1: Cal Jam. Yeah, I mean. There's going to be a shit ton of people there. Queens of the Stone Age, Liam Gallagher, The Kills. like, I, It's going to be a big... They're still selling tickets, so it's not sold out, but they're playing at this goddamn massive park down in Southern California. So it's going to be... Um, they're going to have plenty of space. Yeah, and then
0: Adley Stevenson Park. <laughs> they're going to play Wayne Stock. <laughs> yeah, in, and
1: then I'm seeing them at the... In Sacramento. In, right? sacra- in Sacramento. So
0: what do you think... Like. You've obviously seen them in the small club show. Do you think that you're gonna there is going to be a the same experience at the Cal Jam, the big show, and also the stadium show? Like, what do you think? Like, how do you think these are going to transform from? You know, are they just going to get bigger and bigger as you get into bigger venues?
1: Honestly, they. I mean, I've seen them play at Wrigley, and I saw them play at the Metro. The show, the the quality of it, it d- didn't change. It didn't like they the sound was excellent in both spots. Like they i mean obviously it's cooler to see them in a smaller venue and it's a hell of a lot louder uh, but uh as far as like the quality and like they don't they don't give a damn like they'll just play and play and play and play until they literally get shut off like it's pretty awesome so yeah
0: it's a good it's a good feeling uh
1: it's a yeah i don't think it's going to be I think it'll be lesser just because I s- I got to see him in such an interesting venue, but uh, I don't think it's going to be bad in any way. Sonically, you don't think it's going to be no. Different. I think it's going to sound excellent because it they've obviously got very well paid professionals who handle that, and uh, it's worked out pretty much every time I've ever seen them. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think there's going to be any uh, hiccups or anything.
0: Awesome. Let's. I'm gonna tease you with one more uh, one more uh, probing question yeah. about this album because it's good. Um, and I want to say this before we transition gears to listening to this album this week made me want to take in. Like if you're like a, you're if you're trying to pick up music for the first time and or if you have, you know, had a couple of weeks or months or, you know, years even where you haven't done it. This one inspired me to actually string up the guitars, start plugging in and playing again and chugging here. But the question I have for you is. And this is going to be tough. Like you got to pick your you got to pick your favorite child here. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite track off the album?
1: Uh, I would say my favorite track is The Sky Is a Neighborhood. Um, uh, I think that one has big time like Beatles vibes all over it. Uh, and it's it's a strong single and it's it works in the context of the album as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most strongly written track as well as far as lyrics are concerned. Interesting. He's not Dave Roll's never been known as like this like fantastic lyricist or anything and I mean that's probably mostly warranted. Not, nothing that he's ever really written has been super deep or anything like that, but it's it's good. Like it's it's pretty strong.
0: Yeah, it's not as poetic as yeah. as some of his predecessors or fam- No, but th- I mean that's
1: not what you're necessarily looking for here either, you know. Right. It's it's not like I'm expecting him to be Bob Dylan or some shit.
0: <laughs> I would pay money if if, if Foo I Fighters just, just came out and down. did a did a show as Bob Dylan. Like, I'm a hurricane. Like, man. That or Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Um, I'm born to run.
1: So that, I would say that's my favorite uh, the, my favorite song. But then my favorite riff is actually in T-shirt uh, when the like when that when the guitars kick in and then he just plays this little riff in between. It's it's absolutely killer. Um, I wish they made a longer song out of it.
0: Yeah, just put it on repeat. The, like It the sounded like seconds. something
1: off color in the shape too. Yeah. Like it, it sounded like early earlier Foo Fighters stuff which was cool. There's so. a track
0: in there that sounds like Wheels off their greatest hits. Like yeah, there off is. of th- that yeah. riff off a t-shirt, but if you do it for me, I'm going to say that my favorite single was obviously This Guy's a Neighborhood. Um, but then you put it into the album and it wasn't as strong as the other things collectively. Okay. Um, still a good song, great as a single, lesser as a part of the album. Because you go with the song right before uh, "Make It Right," which is excellent, very, very big. Like you go, you start off slow. T-shirt. It has that build halfway through. It's only a minute and a half. Then run goes crazy with the.
1: I think they (laughs) they had that same summary of it as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's
0: exactly where it goes. And then the the make it right is just it's just pounding the entire
1: time. Yeah, that's it's a pretty excellent song. Yeah, yeah, there's no shame in that pick.
0: Yeah, and I think for us, like, so everybody knows, like, the Foo Fighters here are probably, I'd say, if not our favorite band, they're in the top three. Yeah. Uh, for us sitting here, and so this is not an endorsement of like go out and buy the album. because no. I mean we're being sponsored to do this. This is an uh, endorsement of. We are fans of their work. We support the band, and it's a very good rock album if you are looking for rock and roll.
1: Right, and it's just like I'm a I'm a big fan of Foo Fighters, but I'm not like a fanboy. Like, I'm not just going to accept anything that they've ever done. Like, they've – like I said, I, like, I didn't care for Sonic Highways. I thought some of the tracks were garbage. Um, that doesn't mean it wasn't interesting. It just – it didn't do it for me. Um, and I think – And it's think, fair. Yeah. It's fair. Um, so, I'm like – we're we're both fairly critical, you know. We're, we're capable of being critical, so it's not just like, you know, oh yeah, they're the best, they're the best thing ever, like going Justin Bieber style over it or anything like that. I mean, it's a uh, a, got a reasonable Justin Beaver on this <laughs> album. Who is Justice Beaver? Um, but uh, we're uh, we're reasonable critique uh, critics of our of our uh, music fandom, and I think that uh, this one uh, definitely passes the test. And no, the Dave Grohl didn't pay us to to say any of this. Dave and
0: guys, you did a great album. We are huge fans of it. If and they
1: wanted to pay us, it might help us in our next segment. No, though. they
0: don't need to. They don't need to pay us. We'll just take in, uh we'll just support them vicariously okay. through. Well, everything.
1: I was just trying to transition us into our next segment. What, what, if they paid us? It would help us with our next segment, Patrick. Maybe they could just give us their hand me downs. They so. could, I guess but I don't think they're going to, because our next segment, if we need, we need some coin, we need some money, because we're going to be talking about, uh, as Patrick mentioned, this, uh, this musical uh, journey inspired him to pick up the old uh, guitar again and uh, tinker around a little bit, as it, it did for me, and uh, we got to thinking about uh, some of our uh, dream guitar setups, or dream musical setups, but uh, since he and I are both guitarists uh, I think it's pretty we're pretty sure it's going to stick in the uh, realm of uh, guitar I don't think Patrick's gonna be picking up a alto saxophone or anything here just straight Kenny G <laughs> style. or um, speaking of oh, saxophone yeah. so I was coming through O'Hare today and I walk you know as you walk through like out to get to the CTA um, there's always Some sort of Street musician Playing something And I walk past And the s- guy Playing the sax Immediately Like as I take Like two steps Past him Starts playing Careless Whisper Nice, <laughs> nice. It was perfect I was like This just made my day damn What it. was the Sergio <laughs> uh, What's your <laughs> Oh Sexy Saxman Sergio Sergio Flores Yeah That's awesome <laughs> A Great YouTube video But in uh, An old one But I We digress uh, We're talking about uh, Our dream You digress I'm still thinking our, about it Our uh, dream guitar setups So Patrick uh you know you you got uh you got inspired so uh why don't you uh take a little bit of a lead here uh we're talking we're talking guitars uh first Let, let's start at the guitar point uh where are you going uh, where is your uh cre- where are your creative juices taking you right now
0: so to to put this into perspective i've got i'm looking in my living room right here and it's i don't have all of my dream guitars. Because I think once you have guitars it's like it's a very very bad habit. It's oh it's bad. It's it's <laughs> bad. It's it's a fun habit cuz guitars do appreciate in value if you take care of them and hold them My on My Squire
1: on. Bullet Stratocaster is making me so much money right yep, now. Yeah. But if you
0: hold <laughs> on to them long enough they're actually going to be worth it. So it's uh it's they're decent
1: investments long term. Oh yeah. Um, for for worthy guitars like if you buy a made in Mexico Strat, like they, it holds its value pretty well or like, but you go, you can't buy cheap guitars and expect them to hold their value for like, you gotta, you gotta buy higher end stuff. So you're talking like American fenders, Gibson's, uh, things of that nature are the ones that typically hold their values. Yeah. Well, so let
0: me, or, or appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. So let me take in, start with like, I'm going to call it my musical gear dream bucket list. And I crossed one off last year. So I, was, I got, was able to take and cross off one that has been something that has been on my list. Um, I'm, I'm a blues fan. I've been a blues fan for Not years. Not the St. Louis blues. No, no, no. <laughs> I've been a fan of the blues genre. I've been a fan of country music. I've been a fan of uh, pickers, like just in general. And traditional rock and roll guitar started on the original Fender Telecaster. And so like, I don't know why I've been like attracted to that sound that... that sure. That neck pickup, it does have a, a very d- distinct, yes, uh, distinct uh, high vibe. That twang that goes mm-hmm. in there, but you get that bridge pickup too, and it is just—it's um, a little growl. It's, yeah, it's yeah. it can be grungy, and it's like when people are like, "No, no, rock and roll isn't on Telecasters." It's like, uh, go talk to uh, Mr. Jimmy Page and find <laughs> out what he recorded yeah. a majority of Led Zeppelin albums for. The Les Pauls and the Marshalls were all for luck. Live, live work. For a lot. Li- yeah. yeah. It wasn't, it, nothing was in the city. He was using Telecasters and I think a 10 watt uh, Fender practice amp, mm-hmm. like because it was so fricking clean. So for me, um, I picked up a, was able to get a 2016 custom made American standard uh, Fender Telecaster from the Fender factory. Yeah. Um, it is, it is all black maple neck so, it's Murdered Out. All black, black gloss, glossy pick guard, maple neck, gold hardware, and N3 uh, noiseless pickups. Mm-hmm. The action is slammed. I think I'm playing nines on it. Okay. Um, so, it's definitely, it definitely, it's not a chug. It's You can move around right. and play it there. It feels like you're basically slicing a baby's diaper and... Uh, brie cheese while you're playing do you it's do that frequently either no, one of no, those two no, things no no <laughs> no. you can play it with like soft cheese fingers okay um it is the most forgiving and punishing guitar ever if that makes any sense yeah, like, yeah i know what you're saying it bends well it plays well it's awesome it is clean run through anything and i was so very very happy for that and that's off my bucket list that was one of the ones that i was so very very excited for um I can go on to some other guitars. Uh, yeah.
1: So give me. So what? What are you looking at next? Like it, you've got a, you've got one that I know you've had your eye on for a while that we've talked about numerous times, and you've I've I don't, I've either pushed you further towards buying or backed you down from buying at various points. Yes. It's it's tough
0: because it's such an iconic. It was one of the first like h- solid body guitars uh, that's bolted on. Um, a Gibson Firebird, and the reason I was inspired for that is like you can hear old Tom Petty tracks that have it used on there. It is a traditional blues guitar that is crunchy as all get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little mini
1: humbuckers, mini in it? humbuckers, are just growly. They took uh, on Neil Young's Les Paul. He, I think, in the neck, he has a mini humbucker from a Firebird.
0: They're just like they're insane. It is like, and it's an it's an it's a very. Um, interesting looking guitar because it's not a solid piece of wood it's not a it's not a cut piece of wood that's right solid. it's a block and it's two bolted on things yeah to the side that they take and go through well
1: and we watched a video recently about it too like how they hired a car designer to come out and, and to design that guitar in competition with fender stuff because fender stuff was seen as like so right. radical at the time and it was like a piece of competition
0: yeah, absolutely, and it is—it is one of those ones that's on the bucket list. It's a, um, it's it's an odd, it's an odd guitar. It was issued out with the same time that they made the Fender, or not the Fender, the the Gibson Flying V's. So it kind of looks like a softer version of an Explorer, mm-hmm. um, which is famously known for uh, being played by the Edge of U two. Um, the explorer has been.
1: I think Dave Grohl played an explorer at one point. I think
0: Dave Grohl played an explorer at James some Hatfield.
1: Point. Well, James Hatfield was playing like a ESP version of one, right, I think right. at the time. Reaser, but,
0: yeah. Rivers was playing one at a time, so it's like it's a very distinct thing. And the reason I like it is it gives you that full. I think it's fuller and higher sustained than playing a Les Paul. Yeah, they're lighter as well too. So like you're not th- retching your back. So
1: yeah, I mean that's a <laughs> a strong uh, a strong thing in its favor is that it doesn't weigh 14 tons like a les paul right right
0: and i got one more other on i'll go off of my last guitar that's on my list and then i'll throw it back to you then we can go to amps and effects and all that sure so for me uh one of the guitars and it's i have a fender stratocaster right now that is i think it was the mexican pickups mexican made Mm -hmm. um strat it was it was modeled after the srv yeah and the john mayer early one, right it's got, so the, it's got the, the deep torto- the dark uh, um tobacco sunburst, yeah sunburst, yeah tobacco sunburst and the tortoiseshell thing with uh the rosewood neck and stuff yeah and it plays great it's a you know it's a great thing but one of the things that i've always looked forward to is remember that tom petty had that you know fire engine red fender stratocaster mm-hmm. and also notoriously on the uh, Lenny Kravitz uh, album. Leonard Kravitz. Leonard Kravitz was <laughs> playing the fire, not the same one, but um, the I would in a heartbeat because I don't think I could afford a 1961 brand, not a 1961 brand new, but a 1961 vintage Fender Stratocaster red that Mark Knopfler played. Right. I would take a, <laughs> I would take in 100% do a 61 61 reissue, uh, playing with tens uh, Rosewood neck going through an AC 30 and I'll I'll leave that AC 30 part to future (laughs) stuff right there. But yeah, there, there is something about that, like that playing that neck pickup or that bridge pickup on that and just finger picking with tens. That is just like that. Most, we were watching salt the swing before we just got on here and it is like, Oh, and this is how I do it. It's just like Play the bass and then bing, yeah. bing, down, 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 down. and I'm like, God dang it! I need to have <laughs> some more coin. We need get, we need to get some more ways to figure out how to get that in my grips. So.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's gonna cost you. A yeah. few. I mean, uh, I think the very uh, uh, the 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 Wayne's World scene of him uh, checking out the guitar. The may the, I help you riff? Yeah, I think that's going to be a scenario for a reasonably long time if you're talking about a sixty-one. Right but I think it's good
0: to have like these lists and I think it's good to start to knock them off. And for me, it's not just the ability to play them. It's the musical lineage around them yeah. and what it signifies in American culture.
1: Right. And yeah, the guitar is, a, it's not only just a, an instrument for playing, but it's also a, I mean, they can be museum pieces. I right. mean, they're uh, pieces of art in in a lot of ways. And uh the, more rare or obscure or uh or just historical they are the more meaning that they bestow upon your either you or people that you know and it's, absolutely uh, absolutely uh, it's a very cool uh a cool thing to have uh, i wish i'd yeah i'd be i'd be dead if i had more guitar i used to have a shit ton of guitars i used to have like seven or eight guitars and none of them were particularly great except for I, I two nice ones most of the other ones were kind of junky but uh um yeah it's a it's uh you have to feed an urge and uh it's a uh it can be an expensive one if you're trying to uh get really nice stuff starve um, a cold
0: feed a flu yeah <laughs> something like that <laughs>
1: something along those lines uh for me uh i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna i own a stratocaster um and i and i love it it's uh i got a, a white arctic uh, arctic white fender stratocaster for my uh birthday when i was 18 years old and i was an idiot and i parted with it because i didn't have money in college and uh not that i was really struggling for anything but i felt like i needed money which is the thing that bothers me more is because i could have kept it i did um, that too once but uh i loved it i mean it's the you know you you feel like you're Jimi hendrix when you pull the thing out uh obviously I don't but I don't play it you know upside down neck or anything like that or you know or anything like that but You just uh, do that with your guitar hero. Guitar. Right. <laughs> uh but I love that guitar and that's what uh made me uh down the road I picked up a new uh a new Stratocaster. Uh this time I got it in sunburst because I was on a sunburst kick. Uh but uh so I've got my Fender side covered. Uh so what I'm looking at um, next as far as things I want to scratch off uh, this one, this one's a pie in the sky. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to get a reissue, uh, because uh, I work a normal job and I don't have enough money to afford the original. But I would love to get a '59 uh, reissue Les Paul, uh, yes. in in Sunburst, uh, you know, gold the, Sunburst. N- no, pr- well, the the, the flame cherry, the, chi- the, the, flame the cherry top, yeah. Sunburst. Yeah, uh, the iconic. I mean, the legendary. I mean, you, Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page, Billy Gibbons, uh, that that Les Paul. Uh, it will weigh 14 tons, and I will inevitably herniate a disc with it on. But uh, I mean, you can't. I mean, it, it's it's not only gorgeous just to look at, but it, Les Pauls are gorgeous to play too. Um, and uh, the the tone is uh all sorts of just so much grit, and you can you can do a ton of stuff with it. Uh, that's my number one. I don't uh, know why
0: I just thought about this. I think it's because you said Jimmy Page, but I just pictured him playing the the Dan Electro.
1: The oh yeah the, dan the,
0: and then i picture jack white playing the the marshall fields red plastic god cameras. i remember i had
1: a my one of my first pedals i had a dan electro overdrive pedal yep. and the thing picked up radio signals from like i could get a fucking radio signal from mars on that thing like, yeah, it, sounded, like, it sounded up. like an everclear song <laughs> um so Father that's of mine <laughs> so that's my that's like my number one thing but yeah like i said the, it's it's a good. That's no a, one. That's a really good yeah, number one. I can't. Uh, I, there's no chance in hell that I'm going to get an original 59 unless someone in my family owns one and they're going to, you know, bestow it upon me upon their death. But I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen. Um, then, so that's number one. My number two. Uh, I would love to get a uh, Gibson ES 335. Uh, Either in red or the Pelham blue, like the the so the red is the Clapton style, uh, right, the blue right, right. being the Dave Grohl style. If it had the firebird neck on it, like Dave Grohl's custom one, that would be badass too. But the regular three thirty five is, uh, you know, the hollow body. Um, you get so much, yeah, so crunchy. You get so much and just a different tone with the with it being a hollow body, um, and, but really, really versatile too. Um, and that's a uh, that's definitely a, a big high up uh, like i almost bought i almost jumped on like an epiphone version of one just because i wanted to dick around with it um knowing full well that eventually i'll buy a gibson one um but uh yeah like that's how like uh, how attracted i am to that guitar it's like i'm i'm willing to just buy a copy just to like tide me over until i get my next fix it's a nice one
0: (laughs) it's a nice one to take and get for sure i i don't know i the hollow body the gibsons uh the epiphones like you can get a Casino yeah which just are the John awesome too like yeah i mean cuz he played epiphones he didn't play the gibson models it was like it's interesting and the
1: the epiphone that. casinos aren't that expensive i think they run like 600 to like 750 yeah or but so. then you can mod it out for oh yeah pickup, for sure which
0: is what happens so
1: that, those are some solid choices, my friend. Yeah, those are those are the two go-tos. So do you have any honorable mentions? Well, this is going to take a, ter- a horribly long segment. So do you have any honorable mentions before we get into amps? No, I, no, not really. I got one. Okay. Just because I'm a Nirvana nerd, so I want like a 60s or 70s like tobacco sunburst uh, Jaguar. Nice. But yeah, so we'll move on now. Okay, very okay. cool. So let's talk amplifiers. Mine my, have,
0: mine's going to be very simple for yep, the amplifier. I know it is. Yeah, you go straight and clean 100%. Yeah. Vox AC-30 head, tube head played through a match 412 Vox cabin. Oh, cabinet. Oh, God. Straight original (laughs) tubes. You know, I could go with an AC-30 knot head going with the 212s, get the combo going. But it's something about, like, there's something about those tubes. Like, it would sit. It wouldn't go on the road. I wouldn't try to take it on the road with me because... I don't have enough money to pay for. It would just all be your baby, tubes. and it you would, would love like, it and hold it. I would wipe it with a diaper <laughs> and feed it buffalo wings every single day. I um, would rub coconut oil on its belly, <laughs> hoping that ODB doesn't play in the fantasy <laughs> thing. I'm superstitious like that.
1: I don't think anyone besides you and I are going to understand that reference. And maybe well, and one, one other person, but I don't know if he's going to listen.
0: But for me, it's always been that Vox tone ever since I heard the Beatles the first time, and okay. it's um it it shows that you could do anything with such a versatile amp um the blues pickups are amazing the celestian uh not the pickups the celestian the speakers, speakers yeah. are just absolutely phenomenal it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the 412 the 412 is going to be thrown up thrown up a lot of sound but the oh, yeah. the 212 is going to be great and it, the reason it's good is it's the 30 watts i don't know how they managed to get it to sound such a perfect thing. And then you start to put that presence in there. And I'll, I'll get into a reason why in the next pick, when we talk about effects, why I'd want an AC 30, you know, people are like, why aren't you getting like a Marshall head and a Marshall mm-hmm. cab or a Mesa boogie oh, or just like black yeah. or a Blackface face or Fender deluxe? Like, I don't know. I'm like, there's something just about that British, like the way right. it's made. Like, I don't know. It's, it's the one that I've always wanted, you know, fuck, I'll go get like the Brian May signature. Edition. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, yeah. The wall of him playing five of them daisy-chained together. It's like, <laughs> no one should do that. You could get bigger speakers. He's like, no, I don't want bigger yeah. speakers. I want more of them. <laughs> These go to 11. These go to 11. <laughs> what about you, amp-wise?
1: Um, yeah, for me, uh, while well, the Crate GX-15 is my number one, <laughs> with no. the, the distortion with, with, the, uh, spit, with the overdrive I button spit that you can't switch. Of everything <laughs> yeah, yeah you don't spit beer over a, a pretty decent microphone and uh, <laughs> recording gear <laughs> this is not good um <laughs> you got me for that one thank you so for for those of you who do not play uh guitar uh crate uh, make some really garbage amplifiers and uh, they there's a very popular model of their practice amplifiers that they made uh, probably in the eight not 80s at the late 90s into the the mid-2000s and that was one of them that was my first practice i think amplifier. that
0: 95 percent of any guitar players yeah. in the, state, the united states of america probably had that as their practice amp it's like, like it's 80 bucks a, or yeah something. it
1: was dirt cheap uh it was actually the clean channel not horrible but the the overdrive channel is all sorts of bad and yeah, it's it had all a, sorts of not good. And it had a, uh, a overdrive switch, which you'd think, oh cool, like I'm gonna change my, like so you can change channels, so you get your clean channel, you get your dirty channel. Well, the problem is you're playing a goddamn guitar, so it's on your amplifier. And oh great, oh you think, oh let me press a foot switch and then it'll change. No, you have to literally stop playing what you're playing and press a tiny ass little button on the amplifier to change your channel. It's one of the dumbest things that it's ever happened in guitars, but uh, obviously that's why it was like an $80 amplifier and uh, Y crate is, I believe out of business. So not, maybe not that amplifier, but they made a lot of bad amplifiers.
0: Yeah. Bad decisions. Yeah.
1: But so that is not one of my, that is not my actual choice. Um, I would like a Fender twin reverb, very solid choice um,
0: very solid upgrade
1: uh that is going to be my my number 1 uh my number 2 so you talked about the AC30 i think any guitar player would be happy to have an AC30 uh but my number 2 would be to get a Marshall Plexi 1959 uh run it through a, a Marshall or similar cabinet uh 412s uh, that would be that would be a fantastic rig to have i mean if you look at like if you ever watch a rundown of like Angus Young's guitar equipment. He's got like twenty of the motherfuckers, like just all lined up. They're like, "Oh, this is the backup to the backup to the backup in case this one dies." And because he, they do, <laughs> he blows them. Yeah, they and, yeah, blow they up, go on fire. Um, but uh, they're fantastic amplifiers. The one rub against them is like, "Oh, you have to play them really loud." Well, yes, you yes. have to play them loud. Yes, I, and goddamn it, I would.
0: And those <laughs> Plexis were the direct competitor for the AC30 mm-hmm. at that time. The AC30. The difference was. It sounded good at every volume. Yeah, which and it is was, yeah,
1: yeah. It's a, a incredible amplifier, historic amplifier, and uh, I would love to have an original one or even a, a remake one. I mean, they replaced it, I think, in like the eighties because it was like the model nineteen fifty nine. It had nothing to do with the year; that was just the model number. Uh, but then I think th- so. It ran from like the sixties until like nineteen eighty two. In nineteen eighty two, they replaced it with like the JCM eight hundred. Uh, which is also a great amplifier, but not th- not in the same regard, at least. In well, my that's book.
0: when they started to take and change you more over to solid state or to solid. And yeah, almost. the JCM 800
1: is still a two, but yeah, right.
0: Yeah, because they, they knew it was it was more uh, easier to transport, and people weren't blowing right. it because they had so much feedback of like it's costing me thousands of dollars to maintain this thousands of dollar amp, but it's worth thousands of <laughs> dollars more than I actually paid for it. So like why did you do this to me
1: yeah it's a uh so that would be awesome to have and i if i could dedicate a wall in my house to having you know three or four stacks of those Bum, would be, da, dum, 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 i would dum, i would da, enjoy my life immensely i don't think anyone else in my house or anyone in the on the block would appreciate it but uh, i would i'd say you just have to play ozzy i would play everything and I, I would probably just like wail on a g chord for like an hour. And just be like, war oh, pigs. this is fun. <laughs> just play war pigs. Play Ace of Spades at like 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Wake nope. people up. Yeah, I don't know if I'd probably get some complaints. But nonetheless, Patrick, so we've we've yammered on for a while here. So let's let's move into uh, effects pedals so that we can wrap this segment up. Okay, so for me, um, if I'm going with an
0: all-in all effects unit, like a digital one. Right,
1: because you're I, a big digital, digital effects guy. When it comes to effects, yes, yeah.
0: because they've modeled so many pedals out now. Yeah, you're not going to get it to say boss. It'll say BS something. It'll say... Uh, Bullshit it, it, is what it's going it, to say. No, it's going to tell <laughs> you, like, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Because it, but they don't have the licensing to do it. So if for me, like the two for the fax pedals, like if it's an all-in unit, the dream gear would be either a Fractal Axe FX 8 or a Line 6 Helix uh, where it has everything modeled. But the what I'd be trying to take and do is with those units is trying to take and mimic these four, okay, uh, these four effects there. And this is why I'd say the Line Six because I know that it's in. There's one pedal in.
1: Yeah, there. they have them all. They have them definitely there, modeled I, and yeah,
0: because it's a Line Six product. So I know that I would absolutely need to have a, a Dunlop Crybaby Wah, mm-hmm. um, that traditional Jimi Hendrix, James Marshall Hendrix, uh. uh that sound, just having that in your arsenal, not even needing to play it necessarily, right? Uh, it well, it gives wah? you a ton of versatility right. with the wah pedal. Yeah, I mean it, it's, uh, I mean, it's a great pedal. It's a great pedal. You could do so much with it. You can take and just do some very interesting modulations there. The next one that I'd have to do is obviously a boss, boss blah, 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 a boss blues driver. Okay, one hundred percent, one of the greatest pedals ever. You you set that thing on, and you don't really need to play and Think about this. I'm going either with a Fender Telecaster, all black American Standard Noiseless into an AC-30 with a blues driver or a 61 reissue Strat or a Firebird with a blues driver through an AC-30 as a dream rig. That's insane. Then you got to go with two. I'm going to go with one that's a little bit more newer first and then end up with one that every guitar player needs to go out and buy because they should have it. So... Getting the line six d l four delay pedal allows you to do so much different things, like it is just well, it's one got of, like
1: eight or ten different like modes, doesn't it tape delay yeah.
0: analog it's got anything you can take and change basically anything. It's also got a built in looper so you can just yeah. automatically one hundred percent loop in yourself. It allows you to have that versatility where if you want to play anything, electric or acoustic, you can, and lastly, you know rounding out my green pedals. <laughs> it it's gotta be the Ivan is T S eighty 808 Yeah. The two two original streamer. one? The no the or modded, the, re- the modded one. Okay, the the newer one? No, the original modded. Oh, okay, I see. With the saying. extra capacitors yeah, yeah. on yes, it. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Where it's got usually the drilled in thing. So mm-hmm. that would be my ultimate rig, um, or at least what I'd be trying to get in the Helix, the the all in one software. Sure. So
1: what say you? All right. So I am very much a stomp box uh guy. I don't uh I don't really like the multi effects setups, so you'd, ra- you'd rather have your pedal board. Yeah, I like my pedal board. I like stomping on shit. Um, even with some of the line six stuff where you can stomp on it, I I don't know. It's just the way I the way I started, and I I don't like change. I fear it. We <laughs> he, fear change. He, he likes to stomp on it. He stomps <laughs> um, it. But uh, so number one, uh, I, I I like to have like different uh distortion and overdrive sounds. So um. Number one thing I would love to have would be like a, a Russian, like a, the Sovtek big muff uh, from Electro Harmonics, uh, type, like that uh, circuit is killer. Like I mean, you can you get sustained for days with it. It's it's iconic tone. Uh, that would be killer to have. I would settle for the regular big muff just because I know that the Russian ones are absurdly priced. Yeah, you're just a muff fan. Yeah, I do like the muff. Um, But then, so going into a more of a distortion sound though, I like, uh, I would love to have like an 80s uh, Proco Rat distortion. Uh, That is a, uh, like, I mean, Metallica, Dave Grohl, uh, Nirvana, just classic distortion sound. Uh, So those would be the two for Overdrive. I would also agree with the the, uh, uh, Ibanez Tube Screamer. Uh, because you have to have one I think I think like you're if you ever want to play guitar for more than a day you get issued one uh, then an obscure one and i, I re- I'm a big fan of like chorus pedals especially like I love the electroharmonic stuff uh, the polychorus which oh yes is and I don't want the reissued version of it which they've done and I mean' I'm, it makes cool no- it does cool things but the old one is a gargantuan like. It takes up, like, three spots on your pedal board, um, and it can do, like, delay, flanger, like, chorus, like, almost some phasing stuff. Like, it does really wild shit, and it wasn't a huge seller or anything originally, and then people caught on, like, Kirk Cobain had one in his rig, like, when they did uh, the in utero sessions. Um, it just does all sorts of wild stuff. Yeah, and they used it on a lot of live stuff, too. Um and so like it caught on after that and and pushing it you know from the 90s and then they reissued the thing, uh, now it's in a tiny little stomp box because obviously technology's gotten better but I would love to have an original one, um and then uh, yeah uh 535Q wah just because I like the boost and like the different modes it has on there so I I like the standard Dunlop wah, Dunlop wah too but uh, the 535Q's got some cool stuff
0: yeah it's you can't go wrong with pedals and here's here's my lasting thing about digital effects units versus having all the pedals is you can set up the signal chain, whichever you want. I've, my first digital effects unit was a Bosch GT 10. Uh, and I got that in early 2010, mm-hmm. um, played that for a few years and it was a stomp box. And then a couple years ago I got, I picked up the Bosch GT 01 or GT 001, which was the desktop version of the 100, which is the bigger which is the younger brother of the G T ten. And the thing is is like the reason I like those effects units that are happen to be of that is when you have a stomp box, when you just have a pedal board, you can't for one song put the chorus in front of something else. Sure. And so, with a with something like that, an all effects unit, you can experiment with so many different things. Now, the, the likelihood of actually doing that is tough, but it allows for some interesting creativity. It there.
1: definitely does. I and I, I will see you that all the time. Um, th- th- if you're it, talking bang for fun, your, it's also yeah. fun to have the if, pedals too. If like. you're talking bang for your buck, you're going to get a hell of a lot more bang for your buck buying a three hundred to five hundred dollar unit like that versus buying... I mean, you talk about like. Uh, the like a polychorus like even the reissued polychorus is like i think between 150 and 200 yeah like the a big muff a regular standard big muffs 80 bucks like yeah you can get used pedals all the time and stuff but like it it adds up like i could i could easily go to like guitar center or sam ash or wherever and i could drop a thousand dollars on pedals and walk away with like eight pedals and be like oh yeah well i still need more yeah. Um, you the,
0: need more because you need to get that one periphery. Yeah.
1: And and like they all have distinct tone and I mean that's what's cool about the digital modeling. I just prefer the sound of like the actual stomp boxes. My first and I I had a bad experience with like a digital box. I had a, a Digitech like RP fucking that fifty. Sucks. That's it's it, it's hot garbage. It was, but it was like, oh cool, like I have all these awesome effects and they were all bad. Uh even the even the better models of it, like the Digitech stuff is bad in general. Uh, boss makes much better, much better stuff. Boston uh, Roland. yeah. The, and, and Roland obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Th- so like that was, I think that's part of it. Um, but I also enjoy the feeling of like just having my stomp boxes lining up my chain. However I feel like, and, uh, uh, switching stuff in and out like it's it's a tangible thing for me, I don't know,
0: yeah, absolutely. I think these were pretty solid lists of things to do, and if anybody's listening, these are Christmas items that yeah. if you want to <laughs> take and find a sixty one reissue um, I'll gladly accept, or if you want to find that three fifty five for Steve, I think you won't turn that down, but I think the moral of the story is this album, this Fe Fighters album did inspire us to take and uh want to take and get into more gear. We wanted to talk about our list. But I think the thing that we have to take and talk about is the the creative force, the dynamo that is um, the front man for the Foo Fighters and how this creativity came out to take and be this anthemic album here. But we want to talk about Dave Grohl and we want to talk about just like quickly talk about just all of the other stuff that he's worked on Mm -hmm. and touched and been around and just been there. Like I know that you've been a fan since the early days of him banging on pillows uh, and then just hitting the drums as hard as he could in Nirvana. Uh, what say you, what are some of your like fondest, like most iconic things that you like Dave roll style?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously a ton because he's been on so much stuff. Uh, I mean, strictly talking about his projects, So like stuff that he's actually a member of rather than like just a, cause I mean, he's played drums on, you know, fucking probably a hundred different records for other musicians. Like, keep. He- you know got asked to play for Tom Petty like he was you know he did a stint with them like he was played on
0: uh, SNL with Tom
1: Yeah d- he think he had a little bit uh like uh some Pearl Jam stuff like I don't know I don't think it was studio work but like they did some stuff and he, like they had considered like he probably might, r- may have joined up with them and then instead of Matt Cameron coming they I think it was uh Irons that uh, took over Okay uh but yeah nonetheless so like he, so he and he drums on like Queens of the Stone Age stuff like that's he was almost an album, a member of Queens of the Stone Age but then you know Foo Fighters kind of kept going and they they still collaborate a lot, but he 's not like a full fledged member like he recorded album stuff, but wasn 't necessarily touring or anything uh, so there's there's a ton of stuff that he's been on, so I kind of stuck with like just things that he 's been on like one that I think that is kind of overlooked and shouldn 't be um. And maybe it's not. I mean, if you're if you're serious in a in a rock music, like you've you've definitely heard of them, Crooked Vultures. Yeah, that's what um, I was gonna say. My number one. Probably. Yeah, and that is a, and they've only done one album, but it's fucking killer. And it's so it's Dave Grohl, jo- Josh Homme, and uh, um, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Yep. So it's not a bad group of musicians put together, and they do a power trio, and they just play. Crunchy. They've got a fourth guitar. In they, I too. think they do when they play a lot. Yeah, but uh, that's the those are the three main guys. Um and super group some may say yes absolutely and they put out one album and it is just grungy blues rock I think like Elephant is the track uh like Elephant so the jam there's that there's uh what was, I forgot what their first single was off that because it came out like fucking eight or nine years ago but uh, they their stuff is killer and that was a. I wish that they would do another one, and I, I know that they've talked about doing another one. Availability but Queen, might be a little hard. Well, yeah, and Queens of the Stone Age got like got big, and they've they've been putting out albums, you know, long since uh, before and after that point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Paul Jones, I don't know if he's really doing anything. I mean. He's just got to cash those. I mean, he's got that, that fucking problem where he's got to go down to the bank every Friday to cash those royalty checks. that John he keeps Paul Jones <laughs> likes
0: long walks to the <laughs> bank. I heard that this week that I heard that that's how T-Pain opened or not T-Pain. That's how two chains opened his Chicago show. He's like, I'm uh, I'm Titty boy T- or Titty ba- Titty boy, two chains. And I like long walks to the bank. Like how
1: awesome is that?
0: <laughs> like, greatest <laughs> shout out there. Like, that's yeah, awesome. That's definitely I know we're not talking about <laughs> two chains here, but like you Maybe Dave Grohl's going to pair with two chains. Two chains. chains. <laughs> um He was yeah. a big booty hoe.
1: So them Crooked Vultures were were pretty sweet. Uh oh, so um what's the other guy's name? Uh when they when they play uh Alanis Elaine Morissette. Johannes. Yeah, Alanis Morissette. <laughs> the Canadian. The Canadian Yeah, New Fang was their first single. Uh and then uh yeah, that was that was the big one that got them going. But uh that's that album is killer. Uh, the Scumbag Blues is one of my favorite yep, uh, tracks yep. on that album. And uh, yeah, that, so, uh, and I'm a big fan of any time that Dave Grohl gets played drums. It's a good thing. It's, he's, he's a pretty he, damn good drummer. He's a great drummer and he beats the living hell out of the kit, which is uh, very fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I like what he's done, uh, starting to do on like the producer side of things. Like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he recorded um one of uh zach brown's yeah Zac i know brown that they bands. did like, they, they did, did some work like, together some work yeah. together um and, and i actually
1: think that that was the best song that he did with zach on sonic highways i think that was the best in uh, the studio that zach yeah, brown bought i uh, think that congregation yeah. was the best song off of that album yeah and i think
0: that it, it it's really weird when you see these cross genre like this cross genre stuff but i think uh didn't Zach Brown have them play with him? They played like War Pigs at like Yeah, I mean Zach Brown can play. Yeah. So
1: like that's not a that's not an issue. Like play and sing, so and yeah, he's a he's a great uh, musician, so that was an interesting collab and it worked out really well for them. Yeah. Um so as far as bands are concerned, like did you ever listen to Scream? No. No. See I, I've listened to them, uh, but like that that genre isn't my isn't really my like go to uh it's interesting like the like and like the dc hardcore like scene was you know big obviously in the 80s and uh, uh and into the 90s uh but uh it wasn't uh, and that's not to dispute that like they don't like the guys are talented and everything like it's just not my it's not my cup of tea um but listening to dave grohl play drums is still fucking excellent on that because he you can hear him i forgot what was the name of the album he i think he only drummed on one actual album of theirs but then they went live on. you know he played he toured with them obviously before nirvana so for sure for sure
0: and like how do you imagine that it's like oh yeah we're gonna hire this dave guy he's gonna play our drums and then he goes in your first sessions are never mind <laughs> like how like I, i'm not saying that you fell into probably the best gig ever but you did fall into Well, he got it. recommended for right, it I right. mean, it was a great thing it's like it It's so weird to see like I think we had this conversation while we were in California, but the the question that I have for people is, would Nirvana be the same if like if Kurt didn't commit suicide? Would Nirvana be the same today? Like would the Foo Fighters' tracks just be Nirvana tracks? Or would we have not had, like, would music have been changed? And this is a very, very difficult question. It is. Because you can't really take and know what would have happened as these events here. However, it would be interesting to think, would these just be, like, would Dave have stayed longer? Would Nirvana have fizzled out? Like, what would have been? like? Right.
1: Well, they talked. I mean, I I know that this story is, like, it's a story, and I don't know if anyone's ever verified it, but, like, uh, obviously, like, some of Dave's songs, like, they demoed and stuff with Nirvana. Like, uh, allegedly when uh, Dave showed Kurt Cobain uh, alone and Easy Target, um, Kurt Cobain, like, kissed him and said it was, like, one of the best songs he'd ever heard. Um, so, like, you would hope, and, like, he, I mean, if you listen, like, Dave Grohl wrote the riff for uh what was it? It wasn't Scentless Apprentice, it was uh Milk It, I think, on um, in utero. Like Dave Grohl came up with a I mean it's a super simple riv. Um but yeah, so like I think there were they were starting and like they if you see in interviews like they talk about how like they were starting to like meld and like Kurt Cobain was happy that other people were starting to write and correct yeah and bring ideas in. Um and Dave, like Dave Grohl, said previously, like, oh, you know, like I didn't want to mess with his songs because a lot of his songs were just like so raw and like interesting. He's like, I didn't want to, I didn't feel like strong enough as a songwriter to be like, oh yeah, we should do this. Like, it was just one of those things you do. Yeah, it's I mean, fair you, enough. You just you just deal with it and, and and say, hey, you know what, this is the song and it is what it is. Um, I think, I mean, I would loved it if it, you know if it would have become like the lennon and McCartney of like the grunge genre that would have been the ideal outcome. That would have been, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, if they would have stuck together, and obviously people be alive, yeah, you could yeah. have had some serious, serious like songwriting going on. Absolutely, uh, it's just a fascinating. At the same time, though, like thing. I mean, you're talking songwriting. I mean, inevitably egos are there, um, especially in a creative process. Like you're, I feel like in the when you're writing. A song or anything like you're putting your a piece of yourself out there so when someone says you know what i don't like that there's a propensity there's a possibility where you're gonna be like oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take that kind of personally like, it's a it's a piece of you that you put out there, and people are stomping on it. So right. I'm going to get defensive about it, or I'm going to get upset if you kind of degrade it. Um, some people can do that with no no sweat. A lot of times, I think it devolves into, like, oh, no, you're shitting on me. You're shitting on my idea kind of thing. And you don't know how that would have played out, that dynamic. But, like, the upside is Lennon McCartney. The downside is, you know, the thing falls apart in six months anyways. You know, in the, the, and the in 1994, one is, Dave Grohl's still you know going and recording demos at Robert Lang Studios, and in 95, you know, their self-titled album's still coming out.
0: Right. It's either Lennon McCartney or Sebastian Bach.
1: <laughs> I don't know if we have to go that far. <laughs> Warrant.
0: <laughs> anyway, God. I think
1: any any last parting
0: words uh, that you could think of for uh, for your Dave Grohlness?
1: Um. Well, I mean there's a lot. I mean we could talk about Probot. We could. I like metal drums. Okay. It was good. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean it was interesting. Uh I thought that at that time uh it kind of invigorated the life of uh some metal musicians who were probably on the uh, uh well on their way out. Um but uh Having, I mean, Lemmy in a video is pretty sweet. Lemmy jamming out on an album is always, uh, always appreciated, appreciated. I think. Who's better, uh, Lemmy or God? <laughs> Lemmy,
0: Lemmy is God. I know. Question. I know
1: some people may take offense at that, but uh, of, of the fact, that I think most Motorhead songs are the exact same thing. Uh, I should. say They're very similar, uh, and you, you try can, it and true formula. You, you can burn out on Motorhead very quick. Motorhead's got some great stuff, but at the same time, you can be like all right, I've heard one Motorhead song. Like, people say the same thing about ACDCs. Like, if you've heard one ACDC song, you've heard them all. Uh well, I think it's Motorhead various.
0: did the degeneration generation X theme song. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> they, to our wrestling <laughs> fans
1: out there. Um, but, I got uh, two words for you. <laughs> so, I mean, that was an interesting project. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, any other uh, any other ones? I mean, I love Tenacious D, but he's not really technically a right, member. Right, right. You, you got to watch uh, – there's, a, like, he did –
0: It's not a project, but I guess there's a Will Ferrell video um, where they were doing this for like a, it's on YouTube where he was, uh, they were doing some celebrity fundraiser and it was Dave Grohl and Will Ferrell singing a duet of Leather and Lace (laughs) and Will Ferrell singing the love song to each other and Will Ferrell's just literally fucking with Dave the entire time. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) it's hilarious. We'll post it in the link to the show. It's it's definitely worth uh, your three minutes of time to watch it. It's uh, good. But no, I I, I kind of you know stay to the traditional stuff. I like what he's doing in the film space. I like what he's doing in the like with uh, the Foo Fighters brand in Roswell to take and bring uh, light to different things, like the whole Sound City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
1: that's a, and that's a great. If you haven't seen that documentary or listened to that accompanying soundtrack, yeah. definitely do that because yeah. that's fantastic.
0: And it just talks about like you know this is where you know so many of the best records have come through and it was just this fucking shithole and how he bought the Neve board um, and put it in his house. I'm like, if, there, if there's a day that I could buy the Neve board, sorry, <laughs> Alan Heath, I, I love your Q24, but if I could get a Neve, a Rupert Neve board uh, in here for under uh, a quarter million dollars, <laughs> uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, 100%. But it's like, it's such a like, if you're like, if you're wanting to find somebody who is such a true nerd for music, Watch any of the Foo Fighters documentaries or also like Sound City, or what's the other one? Um, I think it was Sound City. There's another one that they did. The Sonic Highway stuff is just yeah. amazing to hear like the takes of what they'd taken. It's very
1: cool to see all the studios too in um, Sonic Highways yeah, and, and the, the, the different Steve stuff. Steve Albini's studio. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, legendary Chicago. Just one down the did. road. Just down the road. Um, what was Belmont? the. They did the ranch out in uh, California. The, are the I forgot which one I forgot the name of the place, but it's like, uh, just like out in the middle of goddamn nowhere. That like they did stuff. I mean, obviously they went all over the country, uh, and they were rumored to be doing one an international one, but I don't think it came to fruition, or they just decided not to, not to pursue it. uh Guten tag and you know.
0: was Well, I mean, they could have
1: done like Abbey Road, or right. you know, like any number of international venues. I mean, that'd been killer. But uh, yeah, the he's done some really cool stuff from the. Uh, directorial and and producing side of uh, uh of documentaries and 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 things like that it's a uh, uh the guy's multi-talented and i know a lot of it's like there's a there's a little bit of you like that i th- or at least at first like you're like this guy's full of shit like this isn't real and then you really kind of like watch and listen and it's like no man he like the guy's just a nerd for music and a nerd like a family man and yeah, nerd for music yeah like he's like- that's just the the shit he does and it's like yeah i mean his I, I wouldn't say Foo Fighters is the epitome of songwriting or anything like that, but it's it's pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, and I think what you learn uh, from watching any of the I think it was when the, uh, what was it, uh, Wasting Light came out, there was a back and forth. There was a, yeah. the, uh, the documentary called Back and Forth, and what you realize in it is that he's intense, and I think to have that level of uh, intensity in the songwriting process makes it very... Like he holds himself to a high standard, which mm-hmm. then makes the work become a high standard, um, which is very interesting because not everybody does it these days. And I think what we see in to take and go back to do a little bit of a take back into the first segment is you see that come through and you know, you see all the stuff with the band starting to take and be more influential and all that stuff and helping him out in the songwriting process, but the creativity in the, in how that they explore and move forward. Like No one right now, I haven't seen anything that is coming on iTunes or the Spotify top uh, releases in the rock space that is going to say, hey, it's 2017. I'm going to put out a concept album that's going to take in, you know, push boundaries and it may be good. It may not be good, but I fucking did it the way I wanted to. Very, very interesting. So much applause to all of it. Like, I'm very excited. I'm glad we were able to talk about all this stuff today. Yes,
1: indeed. We've probably uh exhausted our amount of uh discussion on our uh or or probably lost audience based on uh, how nerded out we've been uh, so far on on music but, uh, but I think, hey you know what it's it's part of it's part of what we do it's part of what we like and uh, damn it we won't be told what we have to do and i think if the people have
0: stayed through this entire podcast which i'm hoping for they could hear the true passion of like we love music beyond uh Beyond us trying to just like fake our way through, it, that we'll do whatever we can to take and help share that with the world, indubitably. So, yeah, and I think without without further ado, we're gonna take in, uh, and back and tag it and call episode thirty done. One hundred percent Eddie Bell for We got the <laughs> <laughs> goal <gold laughs> horn, the goal horn here. So Steve, w- before we take and sign off, before we take and head into the wild blue yonder, before we saddle up and ride our pony. Uh, why don't you give us... Uh, God w- damn it. Why don't you give You had us- to work that in. Yeah, I know. You had to work I that had in. had to work that in. Why don't you give everybody a little bit of a taste of uh, freedom going forward?
1: <laughs> well, friends, uh, check us out at oh, com where you can get this episode here shortly, as well as our back catalog, our extensive back catalog that we have now, 29 previous episodes 28 because one didn't oh work. yeah one didn't, one didn't we one we didn't get on you the, gotta on go the, to find us on facebook yeah. for that live recording okay That's fair right. enough fair enough so yes uh so 28 plus if you like us on facebook you could then find uh find uh, our our uh live streams as well as uh you know we post all sorts of stuff uh, about the show uh things we're facebook. doing facebook uh twitter as well we we like to tweet patrick me the show, everybody, we're just we're just tweeting fiends, everybody, <laughs> everybody up in here tweeting. Uh, then we also have uh, uh, our our lovely Patreon page where you can support us. You can click that on our uh, website as well, and uh, catch us on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review, uh, also, or on Google Play, wherever you, wherever you like the uh, like to get your podcast from. You know, subscribe or, or leave a review. We're happy with that. We like we like to find out what peop- what the peeps are thinking. Thinking, thanking, and doing. Yes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, <laughs> but yes, thank you. Thank you, every everyone for listening and uh, uh, you know checking us out, liking our pages. I mean, we really, really do love the support that we get for the show. Um, it's why we keep doing it uh, because you know we we want to provide content, Patrick. We like bringing content to the people. Content makes us content. <laughs> is the way
0: that we say that in our planning meetings. But until next time. We never have said that in a planning meeting. We're going to say it now, going <laughs> forward, 100%. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I am Steve. I am Patrick. And we are out.